0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 150th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 558th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 12th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier-Proud banner Moment.
1: And Indiana
2: is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the championship
0: This week's Banner moment occurred for me on Wednesday morning. After spending so much time over the last two weeks engulfed in the details of Indiana's up, down, and back-up again first three games against major conference competition. With so many reasons present for both encouragement and concern, I decided to take a step back and simplify how I was looking at it. So I asked myself this question. Based on where we were when the season started and what reasonable expectations were for this group, how have the results so far stacked up? Because we can project forward all we want, and we will. It's what we do when we discuss IU basketball. But the truth of the matter is that more than 30% of the regular season schedule is now in the books. So enough results are in that they matter. And if we look back to November, Indiana entered the season ranked number 34 in Ken Palm and a much more pessimistic number 58 in the preseason Torvik rankings. In terms of expectations, we all knew that Indiana needed to sweep its first seven non-conference games. Then the consensus was that the Hoosiers needed to go at least 3-1 and one in their four other non-conference games against high major competition to feel good about the March resume they were building. So as we stand here on December 12th, what are the actual results? Well, after 10 games with the Wisconsin debacle baked in, the Hoosiers are up seven spots in Ken Palm to number 27 and up 19 spots in Torvik to number 39. Indiana's record sits at 9-1 overall, and the Hoosiers are 2-0 and in those non-conference matchups against high major competition, including one of the neutral court games. And they've done it all with Rob Finnessy, their most important player, playing just 22.2% of the minutes. And when I looked at it in these simple and fair terms, I have to admit, I felt even better. Because the bottom line is this, are there warts and concerns with this IU team? You bet, and we've dissected them all here on the show. But those warts and concerns shouldn't overshadow what has objectively been a good start to the season for Indiana. Is it a start that suggests this group might be capable of hanging a banner this season? No. The program obviously still has a long way to go. So if your only path to joy as a fan is a Final Four or a Big Ten title, this season will almost surely disappoint you. But if you're still willing to be patient and meet the program where it's at right now, and if you see a return to the NCAA tournament as a fair objective for year three under Archie Miller and another stepping stone toward competing again at the highest levels of college hoops, then I think it's reasonable to feel really encouraged by these first 10 games and encouraged by the trajectory the program remains on with Archie Miller at the helm. Hopefully, it's a trajectory the team can stay on over the next 10 games and beyond. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Dan Hurley of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and the official bracketologist of the Assembly Hall. He's on a website called Assembly Hall. You can find him on Twitter at Andy Bottoms. Andy Bottoms is his name, and he joins us now. That is his name. Andy, what is your Bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball?
1: Well, I I wasn't on uh, on the show with you guys on Tuesday night, so I guess I'll give you know, a couple quick thoughts on the, on the UConn game and the aftermath of that. I, you guys touched on a lot of the good points during the show. The return of Rob Finney as a, a stabilizing force, picking up those key loose balls toward the end of the game, was big. And, and that, to me, is what you look at really over these next few weeks. Uh, after the Nebraska game, I think they play one game over the next two weeks that gives them, one, a chance to get healthy before uh, the, the meat of the Big Ten schedule two gives guys like Rob some more practice time. Archie alluded to that after the game that he really hadn't been, uh, hadn't been able to practice very much. I think he's made that a fairly consistent statement throughout the, uh, throughout the season to this point. So, uh, I I think those are, are positive things to be able to start to envision what this team looks like at full strength. And you see different guys, um, being able to step up in different situations and, um, you know, two of the guys who played really well in the second half of that game during key stretches in Joey Brunk and Al Durham uh, really played poorly in the first half. And I think those guys are a little bit of a, a microcosm of the team at this point because it, it really, y- you see the flashes from them, from other guys, from the team as a whole. And then there are lulls where you score four points in the first, 10 to 12 minutes of the second half against UConn. And somehow we're still in the game at that point, uh, as well as after the poor start they had. So I think that's what I am looking for as we really move forward is both from an individual and a a team standpoint, how do the stretches of bad play get shorter and shorter and the level of consistency, the level of intensity, uh, on the defensive end, how do those things not come and go as much as they seem to have come and go over the last few games. So, uh, nebraska game maybe a a little bit of a step up to some of the non-conference home games that they've had but really after that gets to be um gets to be difficult again as we've as we've talked about so much so you know that's really going to be the key to you know if we if we look at those numbers that you gave another month from now do you start to see more consistent stretches of play where they're um playing at a high level longer uh and the and the slow stretches seem like the real outlier when you get there. So that's kind of what I'm looking to, to see uh, over the next few weeks, and hopefully the extra practice time and uh, things like that will help help bring that consist- consistency out of the team.
0: And to my right, he is a senior writer for the big lead, an aspiring shot doctor who has edited his business cards to proudly proclaim that he will, quote, teach you how to shoot like Demise Anderson and a man who will disparage parents... Until he needs his own. Being a parent super important. <laughs>
2: Held you in my womb for nine months. How long until that debt is paid? When you guys miss, it's fine because, oh, we have kids. This overly super involved dad. I've got to text my parents real quick about something. So, <laughs>
0: Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU basketball? I didn't need them. I was just
2: making sure they were still okay. Uh I, you know, I think that your intro kind of led me to something. It's if we had said at the beginning of the year, Indiana is going to go can win nine of its first 10. And the only loss is going to be on the road at Wisconsin. I think people would have been, you know, not necessarily happy, but would have been okay with that, you know, Win the games you're supposed to win, beat Florida State, beat UConn at msG, and you just happen to lose where you always lose at the Coles center in Wisconsin. now I, I understand the way they lost at Wisconsin was the concerning thing, not that they lost uh, and, and certainly there are issues there that we 've you know dove into head first after that game, and I think we were fairly fairly heavily negative if you listen back to that show. Um, I got some comments about that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, got, got a few emails. But I, but I think that it, we had a right to be. I think that that was a really, really poor showing for a lot of reasons that maybe maybe the Cole Center heightened the warts of the team and held down the successes that the team had had. I don't think that's the team that Indiana has. I, I thought I don't think that's a good example. Just like I don't think necessarily that uh, the good stretches of Florida State are what this team is at its heart necessarily either. I think that there's sort of a, a happy medium there. Uh, that they're going to come in in the middle of, and and I don't think that the bad stretches of the UConn game are what this team is either. I think that they're they're probably a little better than that. Uh, but I I think that what we can say from this first ten game stretch of the season, as you said, thirty percent of the the season's games are essentially gone, and um, I, I think that there are things that we've learned about this team that are better than maybe we expected things that maybe, you know, like the outside shooting hasn't jumped up the, to, to the level. I think we need it to, but we've also been missing one of our key outside, you know, perimeter players. So I think that there's, there's a lot of balance there that we need to, we still don't have all the answers. And I think last year we harped on it, you know, don't judge this team until January because that's really when you can start judging a team. I think this year's probably the same, uh, you know, probably some sort of the same refrain as they they try and figure out starting rotations and try and figure out, you know, do they need to change it? Now the guys are getting healthier, figure out the secondary rotations, figure out what they're going to do on the interior as, as Joey Bronk and, and Deron Davis have both struggled. Uh, do you go with sort of a smaller line, smaller but quicker and more athletic lineup on the interior with Trace Jackson Davis, race Thompson, Jerome Hunter, guys like that. Um, and I, I think the coaching staff is still figuring it out. So We'll learn something about them against Nebraska for sure because how do they handle success? They didn't handle success well after the Florida State game. They got run out of the gym at Wisconsin. How will they handle the success of going on the road uh, to a neutral environment? Yes, but a tough place to play in Madison Square Garden. How do they handle that win and and, and can they elevate their game instead of having to sort of be woken up by getting punched in the mouth? That'll be interesting to see. I I think – it's something to watch on is how do they start the game how do they react if they get punched in the mouth and and how do they finish the game and and coming off of that win on tuesday
0: sure hope we don't get punched in the mouth by nebraska in our, in our own gym
2: that'd be that'd be concerning even in and of
0: itself all right that would never happen jared we all no. know that <laughs> never never uh okay this week uh we're going to go through a couple of hoosier headlines We'll take a deeper look at the rotation, uh, which Ryan kind of started talking about there, and then we'll answer a bunch of questions, uh, as we always do. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all of that, let's talk real quick about tickets, because you have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets. And this is not an industry that is known for its growth, its innovation, and its customer friendliness. But with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so that you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it. Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews, and the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color-coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are. As I've said, I was recently purchasing tickets to Hamilton at a venue I've never been to. Having that color-coded system was hugely helpful to me to actually know that I was getting a good value on the tickets And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I use it for sports tickets, for concert tickets, whatever it is. That's why I feel comfortable recommending it to you, um, because I use it myself, and it always works exactly as it is supposed to, even better.
1: Get a brother, get some coupons.
0: Yes, best of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So with Christmas coming up, if you want to get live event tickets as a stocking stuffer, Download the SeatGeek app, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $10 off your first purchase. That is promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right, guys, let's go through a couple of headlines. Uh, Biggest storyline around the Big Ten so far early in the season is uh, it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. Who knew? It's it's a a crazy new development this season. (laughs) So I will say like it's been you know it's one of those things like I, home teams are undefeated. I don't know if I hope, tell me if that's changed tonight. I don't think that has changed, but as
1: of this morning. Yeah, no, there's <laughs> no conference games tonight so you're still Yeah,
0: good. home home teams uh, were undefeated. Unfortunately, Indiana was one of only 3 teams that actually lost by 20 or more. Penn State and Minnesota both dropped uh big games. Um but you know, Andy like are you looking at this as there's something crazy going on this year with home court advantage or is this just maybe some clustering at the very small sample size at the beginning um of what we are always knew which is that it's hard to win on the road in the Big 10 but we don't know enough yet to know if this is like a some crazy trend for this season that is bigger than normal.
1: It, yeah, I mean I think as you scroll through the games I, I would guess if you went back the home team would have been favored in nearly all of them anyway, so in, in that sense people held serve. I think the ones that people would point out would be Maryland losing at Penn State. Maryland almost uh, lost at home to Illinois and Penn State has played, played better. Uh, and IU knows as well as anybody that it almost doesn't matter how good you are. Sometimes just weird things happen uh, playing at Penn State. So that's, you know, that's potentially one that you look at and then Wisconsin losing at Rutgers, but the Wisconsin team that showed up in that game looked a lot more like the Wisconsin team that had played um, leading up to the IU game, which Ah, uh, perhaps says something about Rutgers. Maybe says something about Wisconsin. Maybe says something about IU. <laughs> yeah, it could uh, I say really something know. about all three. Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it might not be good in any in any event. But and then yeah, Michigan losing to Illinois. Uh, I think if if you take the positive side of what Illinois could be in some of those more optimistic projections about them, I think Michigan is going to be a bit up and down. Uh, and that was in general closer than the the nine point final margin would indicate. So I don't know that there's uh, in, any. Overarching thing there, I do think you, you see in some of these teams, and it was it was a case with IU. I think it maybe have been the case with another team or two that it's one of the first road trips, if not the first road trip that they've taken all season, and I think that plays into it a little bit as well. So uh, you'll see some of those. Uh, hopefully not Friday, but uh, Sunday you've got uh, Purdue going on the road to Nebraska, and you've got uh, Ohio State going on the road to Minnesota. So that uh, that streak could be broken pretty pretty easily, and I think. I think Michigan State plays at Northwestern at some point next week. So you might see a rash of, of those road teams win. I think it's been a little bit of the the matchups. And in some ways, the Big Ten's done a nice job, whether on purpose or not, of getting some decent matchups among these uh, these early ones.
2: Well, it's it's also to think about, as, as you kind of alluded to, the, the, you're starting the conference season in December when these teams haven't. Necessarily been on the road yet, so they're walking into a road environment. Bears conference, yeah, in in, in, of course, in in a conference game as opposed to going on the road in a tournament or, or maybe a non-conference where you're expecting them to, to maybe lose if you go on the road and play, let's say, Louisville like Michigan did or uh, or, or any of those uh, situations. So I, I think that that probably has something to do with it, and it's something we'll probably see as a pattern over the next couple of years as they have these conference games in early December before teams are really playing their best basketball. I mean, you saw, again, Teams like Duke losing at home to a Stephen F. Austin. That happens early in the season. That usually doesn't happen in February eh, when these teams have sort of you know had a chance to play together and gotten better and incorporated all the new pieces. Cameron, not a bear's mouth that night. No, <laughs> not that night.
1: Well, and I think you've I think you've seen Big Ten teams go on the road in other non-conference games and, and farewell. You had Ohio State win big at North Carolina, you had Michigan, uh, Michigan State won at Seton Hall. Uh, even Penn State winning at Georgetown. I was just kind of thumbing through yeah. uh, some of these Iowas up big at Ohio or at Iowa State to, tonight. So you've at least seen some big ten teams, and I think that's perhaps more telling uh, that that the conference has fared well at other difficult places to play against uh, against non-conference teams. so I, I don't not ready to say it's a a pattern quite yet, but the old adage about when your home games and steal a few on the road I think will prove to be.
2: Always Uh, seems to work out. It
0: it always seems to
2: work out that way. It does.
0: Uh, So the other thing that I found interesting today regarding Trace Jackson Davis, you know, he's a guy, obviously a five-star prospect, Mr. Basketball, you know, huge pedigree, obviously, but not someone that people had really talked about yet as an NBA prospect. I think most people think he'll get there, but most of the talk had been, you know, two or three years, that kind of thing, and... I think even with what we're about to talk about that's still probably the safe bet. But for the first time he did pop up on a big board for 2020, Sam Vicini from the Athletic, who I think we all like and really respect his work, um he had trace at number 52. And I now I went back and forth with him and, and talked a little bit and he said he still doesn't quite see him yet as a one and done guy because he hasn't, you know, shown the ability to shoot and and show some of those things. But Ryan, I did find it interesting that he popped up there. And I think it's you know, number one, it's it's great for him. Like, I think that's just it's nice to get that kind of recognition. And I think sure. and I think what it shows, and you know because I get asked this a lot, like, you know, hey, you know, Trace is going to stay right. And it's like, yeah, I, I think he will. But, you know, you get a lot of of people basically just saying, like, you know, he's not ready for the NBA. He can't do this. He can't do that. And while, I think that's right right now, it's also important with guys to focus on what they can do with him. And what he's shown us is that, he can rebound, he's coachable, he's competitive, he can pass. He can like. He's shown that he can do a lot of things. And I think the fact that he's shooting 75% from the free throw line is going to start suggesting to these NBA draft projection guys, his like, hey, will be yeah, there. he hasn't shown it, but he will. So my point in all this is don't be surprised if you start seeing that more. And if maybe this is more of a discussion down the line this season, than we thought. And if so, that's a good quote unquote problem to have.
2: I, I think that the thing holding Trace to IU even more than the shooting will be the players that'll be around him. He yeah. seems to really be excited about Trey Galloway coming. He seems to really be excited about playing with Joey Bronk. He seems to be really, you know, guys he knows and is, is friendly with. Um, I think that the, as far as the shooting goes, they're right. He, he's, not, he's not an outside shooter yet, but he's a guy who has developed every year to sort of, especially in high school, he hasn't done it much at the college level, but has sort of expanded his range a little bit every year if you watch the film from his uh, from his high school days. What I think the two things holding him back are, are the shooting and then ball handling. Yep. And and I don't mean ball handling in the post where you take one or two dribbles and go around. It's like, he's great at that. It's It's a matter of being out on the floor and handling the ball. And it's not that I don't think he can do it. I just think he doesn't have to right now and so he's not showcasing it those two things given his size I mean if he were 6'11 you'd be fine with the game he has right now but he's shorter than that he's smaller than that he's a slight guy he's he's tall and skinny and athletic and in relation to NBA players right I don't mean skinny and you know like Way thin. He he's just smaller than than you're going to get at the next level. And so he's got to add some size. He's got to add the outs the perimeter aspect of the game because of the position he's going to be asked to play at the next level as a stretch four or even sometimes as a wing. You know, coming off the coming on off a fast break, he's going to have to be able to prove that he can drive to the hoop and finish easily. Um, That's if he wants to be a high pick. Uh, If if he's cool with being you know back into the first round, maybe an early second rounder then yeah, I think that going after one year is fine with him. But I don't think that's the kind of guy Trace is. I think he wants to develop into that star-level player uh, that's going to show it at the college level and then vault that into you know a top 10, top 15-type lottery pick. Um, and, just and everything and, I've read about him seems that way. And it's not like he needs to jump to the next level already for family considerations or anything like that. He's a guy who seems to be... You know, really well thought out in that regard. So, I, I think that he's a guy who you'll see for for two years. But it, who knows if if over the last half of the season he makes a rapid, crazy level of development, uh, maybe he does go. But I, I think that. It just feels like Trace is a guy who's who's here for a little bit and and knows that and expects that you know didn't come in thinking well if I have a good year I'm gone it didn't feel that
0: way. When Are, you reporting, two-year Are no, you reporting a two year plan? No, no, of okay. course not. Because <laughs> I,
2: just, <laughs> I was literally told by somebody associated with the program about Noah Vonley directly and told. For sure, a hundred percent. You really
1: seem defensive. He didn't yeah, bring up his name at all. I didn't even No, Mom, just but... don't even. Well, he only yeah. drops
2: that and he uses that drop every. Romeo Langford was on a two-year plan. Yeah, oh, I didn't say that about Romeo Langford. Never did. Uh, I, I know that for a fact. That doesn't sound like me, Jared. Romeo Langford was on a two-year plan. Uh-huh. Yeah, got the got the receipts on that one. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, it just it feels like he's you know it, it feels different than Romeo. We'll say it just feels like. He's he's here to develop, and he trusts the guys in charge to develop him yeah. to that next level.
0: I agree. Yeah, if I had to bet on it, I would say he'll be here, you know, for a couple of years. But this was the first time he showed up, so it you know it, it's a good time to at least broach the subject and I guess just start preparing for it to happen more because you know he's playing really well and he's showing some things that do translate to the next level, even if he's got some things to work on. Andy, you want the last word on this?
1: Well, I think what what you like to see is. You know, given the knocks about or the or the question marks about his game in terms of outside shooting, he's not forcing anything to try to prove to people that he can do can answer those questions over the course of the game. I think the only I only remember him taking one shot really outside of the lane and that was as the shot clock was running down which he made I believe that was awesome um, and and so i I think you like that as you as you look at him and see him the way he plays doesn't suggest he has his eye on those things and trying to do things for the direct purpose of impressing scouts and, and folks like that. And if you believe that to be the case and and that I'm not reading too much into it, then I think that's a, a positive sign and you can see where there's a natural progression for him to get his feet wet, do the things this year that he really does well that translate immediately and continue to, to work on his body, work on his game and get himself into a situation where he could, play himself into the uh, into the first round now to your point he maybe he gets in big ten competition and questions about physicality and those kinds of things get answered in a positive way and he makes a different decision that remains to be seen but i think it's relatively easy to tell yourself a story now and a natural trajectory for where he's going that it would make sense for him to be there but again I think we've uh, you know always made it a point to not begrudge anyone's decision in that standpoint is they've gone through with the program and if he plays well enough to for that to be a reasonable consideration that's a good thing for IU and that's a good thing for him and and you just kind of sort that out once uh, once or if it gets to that point
0: agreed all right coming up we are going to talk about the rotation Archie says that he is committed to rolling 11 deep is that smart is that sustainable and how will Rob Finnessy's return to health everybody knock on wood influence that we will discuss it next stick with us here on the assemble call
1: This is Virgil Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? A full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course celebrating the Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier!
0: Thank you Bradell. welcome back to the assembly call you can find all of our content at our website assemblycall.com. and if you ever want to join the chat mob chat mobbers during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays and see all the between segment banner then check out our YouTube channel youtube.com slash assembly call I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms and celebrity Ryan Phillips uh, if you if you watch the if you watch the YouTube live broadcast yep. of this one you' will understand what that uh, what that is in reference to uh, so guys We had a lot of questions this week about the rotation stemming from, you know, what we saw in the Yukon game and what we've seen, which is Archie basically playing every scholarship player who's available every game. And last game was the first time we've had all 11 guys uh, available. Hallelujah Hallelujah for that. And he obviously played everybody. And He was asked about it after the game, and he said something that I thought was really interesting, Um, you know, in talking about being committed to playing 11 deep, he said, Quote, we just have to be really mindful around each other every single day of how hard it is to coexist with 11 players that expect to play. But if we're about the right things and we play the right way and it's about the win, you know at the end of the day the team has a chance to be pretty good. Unquote. So, my question to you, uh, uh, Andy, to start is you know, we often see teams play with an expanded rotation early and it shortens as the season goes down you know to me the you know the safe bet would still be on that happening and Archie has been a guy during his career that has tended to play smaller rotations but he just seemed very adamant about playing 11 guys and so is that something that is realistic is it smart and do you worry all about what he kind of hinted at which is that if you've got 11 guys expecting to play every game you know there may not be minutes to go around and how do you manage those expectations
1: it's it's an interesting one because you look at even even the UConn game, there were stretches toward the end. You guys alluded to this after the show of Trace not being in the game uh, for a, a fairly long stretch toward the end. And it feels a little bit like what we talked about with the starting lineup. We, we talked about how what we've seen of Archie is that if he finds something that seems to be, even if it might not be working, he seems reluctant to to change that. And I think the same thing happens when he gets a group of guys on the court who seem to be playing well together in key stretches, he, he's very much willing to to ride them out. Uh, and as someone who did lineup analysis during the Tom Green era, I can suggest to you that that is not something that I uh, had grown accustomed to in recent years with the program. So I think you see that, and and that to me suggests he he is committed to doing that. And for the most part, it's it's been effective. I think there were questions that we had, but he – you know, we talked about the, the Joey Brunk and Al Durham, the way they played. He didn't turn away from those guys, even when a lot of fans, us included, would have said, I don't know that this makes a ton of sense. And so I think if you view it on a game by game scenario and say everybody's going to get or most of the 11 guys are going to get some kind of chance. And then if something works, guys are going to be out there. I guess that's how you view it. I still would imagine that by the end, it, it narrows down a little bit, but. I would also question as you look at it now, if you think about the guys that we would have said were end of end of the rotation guys coming into the season, what have they really done to suggest that they don't deserve time? Armand Franklin was a guy we didn't know a ton about. He played well out of necessity at times so far, but had some good moments in the UConn game, has had good moments in some of the tougher games, has struggled as you'd expect a freshman to do. Uh Demizzi has really picked things up. Race Thompson. A Lot of people are clamoring to see more playing time from him. By a lot of people, I mean Ryan and the one person who sent in a question. Um, but I think <laughs> I think Ryan actually
0: no, sent in that question under an assumed that's name. Entirely I did possible. Not,
2: although I would I, I I probably wouldn't have been it if I did, but I didn't do it this one. I
1: probably Yeah. So but I mean he he there's things he's done that have warranted more minutes. You've got Jerome Hunter who's getting back and he showed some flashes in that game. So I think if you want to answer this question to say, I don't think playing eleven is the right thing to do, you've got to at some point be able to pinpoint guys who you don't think deserve those opportunities. And maybe over the course of the season, that happens. Um, And and Duran maybe is that guy, but he had a few moments in that game. So I think if you say you don't think he should play 11 guys, then you better go figure out who he's not going to play. And I don't think that, which is a good thing, is an easy decision. It's not a decision he's had to make, though, because not everybody has been healthy until the UConn game. So yeah. it's a little bit hard to figure out how that all shakes itself out.
0: And let's also be re- realistic about what it might look like, because, number one, hopefully Rob is back and he's taken a good chunk of minutes. So that's you know going to be less minutes for some guys. But, you know, Ryan, what it has really looked like, you know, even with every guy playing, sometimes it's a guy only playing four, five, six minutes and needing to really make an impact. Like we saw Rays play four against UConn. Duran has often just played a few minutes. And so, you know, number one, that might be it, where everybody's playing, but some guys are getting shorter stints, and it may just be matchup-based. You know, there are going to be some games where Duran just isn't really a good fit, but it was clear that the coaching staff... Brunk, I mean. Well, same with Brock, but but it was clear that the coaching staff saw something they liked offensively, getting the ball on the block, because they kept putting Brunk in there, they kept putting Duron in there, and giving them chances on the block, and, you know, they didn't convert efficiently, you know, Brunk had his one stretch, but... It was clearly something in the game plan from a strategic you know perspective, an opening that they saw there, and so they played those guys. other games, it might be you know you might not be able to put those guys out there, so it might not be something where it's like, okay, every single game, all eleven guys are getting their allotment of minutes, but it's something where as you go through the season, you're using them regularly, just kind of in different amounts based on the matchups and based on who's got the hot hand in any given game.
2: Yeah, I think that's the way you have to do it. And and you're going to face different types of teams that do different things. And again, I I mean, I know I've harped on Reyes Thompson, but just given the matchups we're going to see this year, it's going to be probably to the team's benefit to have a maybe smaller, but quicker more athletic defender down in the block, along with Trace Jackson Davis, than having Bronk or Deron Davis out there. And so, when I when I refer to him, I'm referring to you know a guy who can guard in the post, but when his post player goes out on the perimeter, he can also go out on the perimeter and not hurt you out there, as we've seen Bronk and Davis do when they're put in pick and roll action. He's a guy who can actually defend the pick and roll much better than they can, and quicker, and not have to go so far out on his hedges and can recover and all that. So I think and and Trace Jackson Davis can do that as well. So you're seeing him be put on bigger players defensively. Uh, it's that's gonna be something they're gonna have to adjust to. And and as far as the the playing eleven guys, if eleven as as, as Andy said, if eleven guys are earning minutes, those that's the number of guys who should play. And it just depends on them earning minutes. And and that gives you the flexibility in a game that if you put a guy in and he's not playing well, well, because this other guy's been playing minutes, we can give him more minutes. You know, if a guy's just sitting on the bench cold for three weeks and the guy ahead of him is not giving you what you want in a game and you bring a guy off the bench who hasn't played in games, do you really expect much from him? So I, I think actually getting guys in the game and getting them involved and in the flow, even if it's for... Four, six, eight minutes. That helps you in the long term when maybe somebody doesn't show up for a road game at Wisconsin or, or something like that. You can, you know, change lines, put another guy out there who's had some experience and then expand how many minutes he can play. Uh, it, so we'll see. I, I, it's an ambitious project to play 11 guys. It certainly is. But as we've seen, guys that maybe we thought wouldn't earn minutes like Demisey Anderson, like Armand Franklin, and maybe they'd be the guys deep on the bench who came in in blowouts, they're earning minutes. And it's different than we thought weeks ago. Uh, at this point, we probably thought Deron Davis may be playing a little bit more. He hasn't been, but you've also seen flashes to where maybe he's starting to to play a little better and, and maybe he's starting to move a little better. I mean, obviously, didn't finish at the rim really well against UConn, but he also made some opportunities for himself. And in a couple of weeks, those might be baskets that he makes that help you win a game. So I think that right now you've got a lot of guys and I assume guys like Joey who are still in the starting lineup are earning a lot of their minutes in practice as well. And that's always been a very big thing for Archie is if you practice well, you're going to play. And so, these guys, if they're earning minutes, you've got to reward them for that or else, you know, whatever you're telling them about earning minutes is not holding water. If you're earning minutes, you got to get in there. You've got to give them a chance to play.
0: You know, so the one question might be, okay, so you're going to play everybody and that's great. And that all sounds good in theory, but we know how important chemistry and communication is with lineups. So, you know, and, and coach kind of alluded to this in the chat, Andy, where it's like, okay, so maybe you're playing, you know, all 11 guys and, and, and yes, you know, Ryan, to your point, like maybe in some games, a guy's not playing well, you put in somebody else, but you probably want to have some different types of lineups for different types of games that you go to that they've played together, like, continuity, a sm- yeah. like a smaller lineup, a bigger lineup, like, you know, some, t- some guys that have really played together. So that way, when they get out there, they've got that continuity and they've got that chemistry. Um, you know, and again, maybe you're not going to use one for a couple games because the matchup doesn't dictate it, but then you go back to it because now you're facing Penn state with Mike Watkins and Lamar Stevens and you need some more size in there, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I think you just, at this point, I, I would hundred percent agree with the notion that you need to try to get in at least some, some combinations of guys who, who you would like to have regularly out there. You see NBA teams do that a lot where there's, you know, the second unit or these guys typically play together and, you have a little bit more set rotations in some of those scenarios. I think the challenge of doing that so far for this team is that, are you going to have everybody healthy enough that you can do that? But I do think those are some things that I talked about at the, at the beginning, you've got a couple weeks here where you've only got one game. It, does this provide you some of that opportunity as you get guys healthy to do that? So I think that's important. I just don't know that a ton of opportunity to do that has existed thus far and doing it, on the fly in a sense during games is, is not really the ideal scenario uh, to do that with. But I, I think some of that starts to emerge. I, I think we've seen that a little bit already with, you know, some of those lineups that have been effective with trace at the five and Justin at the four and, and a, a guy like a Demesi with them and, and then two more traditional guards. I, I do think you've seen started to see some patterns emerge in that regard. Uh, I think it's really the backcourt piece that's the interesting component of that with Rob back is is how you dish out those minutes. Do you start to see more three-guard sets with he and Devontae and Al? That was something we talked about a ton coming into the season, but the number of games where all three of those guys have really been healthy has been minimal, so do you... Do you need to see some more and get those guys working together but at least they would would seem to have some chemistry from a year ago so i think if you're able to keep guys healthy you can start to build some of that up that i think everybody would agree you need to do um but that is somewhat dependent upon health and i would argue they haven't really had much of a chance to do that thus far for the same reason
2: yeah i mean there's several guys who barely practiced in the month of november you know i mean they're a little behind on that development
0: yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, we knew how important improving the three-point shooting would be coming into the year. And in Indiana right now shooting 34.4%, which is 121st in the country. You know, pretty what good. Was last year? Uh, overall, it was th- 31.2, but in Big Ten play, it was like 27. It was so the, awful. So the so percentage is percentages have, up, have, have gone up with...
2: Moved. And the line move move back. Moved back to- yeah,
0: and it's it's gone up with Rob not playing much. He's one of your better three point shooters, and Devonte missing some time. So that's a good sign because I agree. I mean, I think at some point we'll be able to see more more of those lineups with Rob, Allen, Devonte, which is you know going to help this team space the floor some, which they
1: haven't really had. Well, Ryan- I think Rob is a guy who can create some of those shots for other guys. Yes, I, the the others for sure who have handled the ball aren't necessarily your by no means are traditional pass-first type point guard. So if you see him, he's shown a good ability to get to the basket and score for himself. I would imagine that the number of shots that are off the catch going forward, if he's in there, go up quite a bit as opposed to – it feels like a lot of the ones that have been hit have been more off the dribble, shot clock situations, just not desperation necessarily, but a lot of them, at least anecdotally in my head, feel like they – we're not necessarily in the general like flow of the offense.
0: And by the way, shooting that well with uh, Armand and Jerome Hunter combining to go seven of 42, which I think is just young guys, you know, needing to get their feet under him and get comfortable shooting the ball. Cause I think both of those guys project to be better shooters than that. Uh, final question on this, Ryan, just to kind of cover all the bases that people asked, what is like, if you had to kind of trim this rotation down, just think of like a general matchup, nothing, nothing specific, what would be kind of the you know the five-man lineup and the two or three guys that you have the most confidence in right now that you would kind of like to see get the most time?
2: Um, I think the five-man lineup, like the starting five, I'd probably go with Rob, uh, Devontae, and Al on the perimeter, and then go Justin and Trace in the interior just because we've seen so many defensive problems with Joey Bronk. and Kudos to him for stepping up. We talked about stepping up in the second half and playing very well, but I just feel like they're hamstrung defensively with him on the floor. Uh, And he's not, he doesn't give you enough offensively to sort of, you know, give you the, the boost you need to balance that out. And then the guys off the bench, I would like, um, you know, I, I I think you have to have Joey off the bench. Uh, And then I would, I, again, for the, the issue of it gets hard. (laughs) It does. And the issue of, of defense in the, in the post, I would say Ray's Thompson because I think he's the second best defender in the, on the post in there. And then you've got to probably put Jerome Hunter because of what he can do. He's developing defensively and he's a guy who can get you points offensively. So and and the I potential think payoff makes it worth playing exactly. through some mistakes with him right now. Right. And so really the guys I would cut down a little bit uh, now that Rob's back or probably Armand Franklin's going to see his minutes go down a little, at least, uh, but you know, Demesi, I guess, would probably have to go down a little bit, though his effort's been much better and he's made some shots. Um, if you're if you're having just an eight man rotation, though, I, I think those are the guys that are going to see their their minutes drop, and then Duran, of course. So I mean, but there's other guys in the mix too. I, I just but think how team, how nice is team it? Is, this team is built to play a lot more guys. It just is. You're getting contributions from so many guys,
0: and I guess part of my point in ending it with that question is how nice is it to be going through the roster and it be really hard to trim it down. Mm. Because you've yeah. got 11 legitimate guys, you know, and so that is, you know, this team may not have kind of the, the elite top end, the amount of elite top end guys that you would want, but the roster overall is just in a much better shape with just being filled with good basketball players, you know, and guys who can do stuff when they get out there. So, you know, they've all got their issues, none of them are perfect, but it's just, it's nice to have that many options because it's felt like for a while, you know, once you get past kind of those top guys, you know, you're really kind of stretching with who you give minutes to.
1: Well, worried. and how many times even last year did we talk about this with Juwan in terms of fouls? Like you, you just can't. You had guys you could not afford to get fouls because the drop off was too big from who was going to come in. And and yes, the drop off from if Trace goes out and gets two fouls early, and they put in Race Thompson for him, obviously that's a that's a, dro- a large drop off. But what these games have shown, even you know these Florida State and and UConn games specifically. Different guys have been able to really step up in different situations. And you don't, to me, then have guys who are pacing themselves, trying to you know, keep themselves out of foul trouble, doing whatever. you got everybody who can go full out for whatever time they're in there, and then you get taken out and the, the production doesn't fall off the map. That's where that you, killed you us at the starts guys. of games Huge, last
2: year. Huge benefit. Yeah, you just got no place else to
1: turn to, to do some of those things. So I, mean, I think, think about it, last
2: year when Duran got in early foul trouble you know or whoever or Juwan. was, Juan Morgan yeah. you know got in early foul trouble you felt like the game was over because you had nobody who could come in and step
1: up well and then he at times had way. to play so tentative yep. particularly defensively that it it really hurt you in that regard so you weren't doing anybody any favors in that scenario so it's a it's a yeah. good problem to have like you said and um will we'll just have to see what happens i guess yep
0: All right, coming up in our final segment, we're going to answer your questions, including one about whether Archie would recruit a player like Devontae Green and what an acceptable one-loss record would be over the next six games, plus another mediocre question. Stick with us here on The Assembly Call. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot, or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Text IU to 66866, or go to assemblycall.com to get on that list. That's IU to 66866, or go to assemblycall.com. All right, time for the mailbag. All of these questions submitted via our private IU Basketball Discussion Community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, The first one from Jay. He wants to know, why is Ryan a coward? He failed to send me his conference-only predictions that we did last week. Ryan, why are you a coward?
2: I, uh, sorry. I didn't pick up on that. Um. Apologies, I didn't. I didn't have a chance to to fill that out. Jay, uh,
0: Jay apparently new to the show thinks that you listen to old episodes and
2: that you check your email.
0: Neither of which happened. I do check my email,
2: <laughs> but uh, usually just don't pay attention when it comes from you. It's uh, I, I do to send a lot of s-
0: emails. I, I get you, that you do. Tune, I get that it's, you tune them out. I get, well, we it's need
2: a thing. I'm just kidding. I no, uh, I look. I have to pay attention to so much other sports stuff that sometimes when I'm off the show, I don't have a chance to listen. I'm sorry. Many, guys.
1: many celebrities do not.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, do do I just yeah. feel yeah. like do? celebrities I'm don't have time. I'm kind of above your questions at this point, <laughs> Jay. I, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. All right. All right, let's
1: move on to the next <laughs> Okay, stuff. let's go.
2: Uh okay. So Tim says, I know Archie values
0: Devontae Green as a player. He's even on record as saying, quote, he needs to be out there to give us a chance to win. But would Archie Miller ever recruit a Devontae Green? Ryan, what do you think?
2: I don't know. Is he from the upper Midwest? Because probably yes, if he was. If it's the inside out thing and Devontae was a good player in high school. No, I I I've heard this that, you know, Archie got stuck with Devonte and things like that. Devontae hasn't left. Coaches push players out if they're not, you know, if they don't like them or they don't get along with them. And Archie has done nothing but talk great about Devonte for the last year or so. Um, you know, over the over the offseason talked about how how key he was to the team and all that stuff. I I I you know, I don't know if Archie Miller would recruit Devonte Green, but he seems to enjoy having him around. And uh, they made him a captain this year. So
0: I I will say he hasn't targeted a recruit from out of state that was that, that was ranked that low as Devontae. So, you know, it seems like when they've gone out of state, they've, they've kind of set their sights a little bit higher. Um, But that's.
2: Their recruiting theory is a little different, though, yeah. too, as they're targeting yeah. players. That's why I said, Is he from the upper Midwest? You know, <laughs> is he from yeah. Indiana, Minnesota, Michigan? Yeah, like, know, I, like I Wisconsin. don't know if
0: he recruits Devontae Green from New York, but he's certainly doing his best to get the most out of him. And that's, you know, really the thing For that sure. matters the most. So, yeah.
2: And, and he, he, you know, again, if they, he didn't like him, you wouldn't have him.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Um, Andy, do you have anything that you want to throw in on that?
1: No, I mean, I think the question is born out of... I guess I, was, I should say yes, because I'm going to answer it. Um, the I think the question is born out of the flashiness, I guess I would say, yeah. of his play, and that doesn't really fit with a lot of the other guys they had. So I think if you answer... Especially if
2: you look at Armand and Rob, they're completely yeah, different players.
1: I think you if know? you answered no, I don't I don't necessarily view it as a as a negative thing. I think he's done as well as he could trying to not rein in Devonte to the point when the things that make him a good basketball player, he doesn't feel empowered to do. Uh, but I think in general, if you look at the overall characteristic types of games, those kinds of things that guys have, I, I guess I'd be inclined in conjunction, Jared, with what you said, I guess I'd be inclined to say no, which I don't know is necessarily a, a negative either way, but I think that's where the question comes from ultimately. Yeah. Uh,
0: let's see the next question. Oh yeah. From, uh, From Jim Tom Hoosier. Do you think we can win in the Big Ten without better three point shooting,
2: Ryan? Probably not. Uh, Win in the Big Ten? Okay. I thought it said win the the Big Ten. Win Uh, in the Big Ten. Yes. I think shooting at this percentage right now, yeah, you can win games in the Big Ten if you defend and get to the free throw line. Two things this team's really going to try and do is defend and get to the free throw line. I think you can definitely win. Can you win the Big Ten, be a competitor nationally? You know, those things? No, you probably got to shoot a little better. Um, not demonstrably better, but a few percentage points better. You got to make a few more here and there. Uh, I just think that's modern basketball and, and it's the reason you go after a guy like Anthony Leal to come in and start knocking down threes for you. And, and you, the reason why you improve at three point shooting is this team is done. Um, but yeah, you can win in the big 10 shooting at, what are they? You said Jared are at 34, yeah, 34. About right now. You get a, you, between 34 and 37. You're happy. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, next question from Alex, Andy. What is an acceptable win-loss record in the next six games? Uh, so, Indiana plays Nebraska, Notre Dame, Arkansas at Maryland, home versus Northwestern, and home versus Ohio State. What's interesting is what looms after that. A six-game stretch at Rutgers, at Nebraska, home against Michigan State, home against Maryland, at Penn State, at Ohio State. So, if you go through all kind of the Ken Palm single-game projections there it has iu at six and six in that stretch a lot of but we're talking about the next six right right? but his his question was about the next six but it's just it's interesting to set the stage because you're i mean you're gonna probably take on some losses in the six games after that so andy what do you think is an acceptable one loss record over these next six
1: i feel like you'd like to be four and two Uh, nebraska and northwestern are games that you cannot lose at home uh, so then it really comes down to the others. And I, I feel like Notre Dame has not played particularly well. Uh, and then Arkansas has been a bit of a surprise. I feel like those are games that you can win and, and maybe even find a way to split the others. Ohio state just looks really good right now. And uh, and going to Maryland is, we talked about how hard it is, has been for teams to win on the road. Illinois did go in there and play relatively well. Uh, but they do present some, some challenges. I think that Trace Jackson Davis and uh, Jalen Smith, matchup will be an interesting one to watch um, but that's a tough road trip from a team that's that's ranked really highly so I feel like four and two I, I hate to say minimum but I, I think given the stretch after that I feel like you want to be at least four and two maybe you get one of those and you end up five and one
2: yeah three
0: and three is the bare minimum to like yeah no, just I'd say feel two, yeah, to well. not be like just jumping overboard four and two you feel good and five and one you feel ecstatic
2: I would yeah say. I think the, the next three you got to win I really do feel the next three you got to win Maryland on the road. You don't expect that to be a win. And then, yeah, you got to be Northwestern at home it, this year. You know, I mean, any year, really, <laughs> I don't know why I said this year, but any year really. And then Ohio state comes in, especially if they're still highly ranked, that's a game at assembly, Hall that you expect to be a rocking environment. And, you know, go nuts. Yep, That's it. We're done. No more questions.
0: All right. That's going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing much of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Friday night after IU Nebraska. Until then, Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers.
2: Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I have a
0: mad crush on Coach Roberts.
2: All right. Uh, one thing I want to say before people start getting out of here, I know people are going to stick around for questions, but, uh, if you have a chance this year, donate to the V foundation. We didn't talk about that on Tuesday. I donate every year. It's a great charity. We did forget to talk about that. And it's a great charity where most, I think it almost all of the board members do it for free as a chair. You know, they, they don't take, they don't steal money from the company or anything like that. It's always rated as one of the better charities and it's a great charity to give to. I have somebody give me that as a, as a, a gift for Christmas every year. I hand it out to people. I think it's a great donation. If you want to do one uh, this December, I think next year we, should do, a t- we should do a T-shirt deal with uh, with uh, Home Field Apparel for it, like an F Cancer thing or something, and try and sell those and give the don- give the money. I think that'd be a good thing to do.
0: Okay, that's a good idea. All right, let's think about that. That's it's sure. a good idea. Really good idea. Yeah, you that's know, a Q list not, idea right there. That's... <laughs> there you go. Not all
2: of my ideas are terrible. Just most of them, but not all of them. So, <laughs> uh,
0: Okay, so let's run through a few of these other questions. Uh, we didn't actually get to Jay's mediocre question of the week. Uh, his actual oh, question that wasn't was, it? <laughs> no, he, he sent in several. His other question was... I actually was
1: thought a, that question <laughs> in the asked was a good one. That was oh. that was little yeah. mediocre.
0: <laughs> why, why Ryan is a coward? I mean, that's always a great question. Um, with a fully hel- healthy roster, how many minutes a game do you think Trace plays at the five? Without Brunk, Davis, or Race, it seems like it should be as many as he can handle.
2: It's going to depend on the matchup, I think mostly. Yeah. And Let's be real. Um, but I, you know, ten to twelve, I don't, you know, something like that. I, I, he's right. As many as he can handle. If he can handle that defensively and offensively, I think that more and more, I, I tend to think that he's going to play more. If they go small, he's going to play more four, and Race would be the guy kind of mixing it up. At the five, I think that's what frees him up the most. That's why I've been saying, I mean, I know, again, I'm harping on Ray Thompson, but I think they've played their best in, on the interior when those two have been paired up together. And I've been saying that for weeks, and we haven't seen it as much in the last couple games because, again, you're getting guys healthy and having to, to mix up lineups. But it, it, defensively, that's when we look our best on the interior, I think. And maybe it's time to just stop putting positions, stop
0: deferring to guys by numbers, and just call everybody B. Everybody's B for basketball okay, player.
1: That's enough. Stop it. Stop it.
2: That is how you're a champion. Um, Stop it.
0: <laughs> that's. I don't think we'd mentioned that yet on the show. I just wanted to throw that in there.
1: Um, yeah, Maybe I mean, because it was so
0: so absurdly okay. stupid. Okay, that you know what? It, I'm I am actually oh, okay. Don't I'm, do this. I, no, I made fun of it. I am actually going to defend him on it, because it is kind of a trend in basketball, and with recruiting, branding yourself differently can give you something to sell. Same thing Tom Allen's done with Elliot. You don't have
2: to call him a basketball player. Okay,
0: I'm just saying. I'm going to defend the idea of his getting out in front of that and being able to sell that to recruit. I think it's silly, but as... Someone who's in marketing, just, I am actually going to defend everyone him as a, on it.
2: Put everyone as a as a three. Just to, everyone's a three. They're halfway between one and a five, somewhere in there. <laughs>
1: okay, sorry, little tangent there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know what? Maybe maybe beat Shamanad by more than three. How about that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Every wow. every
1: year, Shamanad gives
2: somebody a game. Every year, I lo- You guys are going to see it in person next year. We're <laughs> gonna be fun. <laughs> anyway, you guys uh, are you guys both going to try and go to that?
1: i I, doubt I,
0: don't that I, am. I don't know i don't know i mean try yes try yes but so we'll see we will see it would be fun better start um, getting
2: on that now i know you're out you're gonna need to start getting some plane reservations going
0: yeah i know um coach is booing well me. then i guess i'm coaches
1: booing
2: guess, me in the chat he's not i guess i'm just hosting the i'm hosting the ac meetup alone hardly, in yeah. maui Oh, yeah, Coach. Uh, coach would go. One.
1: I'm sure he – yeah, I'm sure his – I'd love to hear his thoughts on the uh, the B. That would be Oh the, no, coach, okay. no, Coach is
0: not in. He's not in for the B. Right,
1: no anyway, do- continue. No, no. Let's okay. move on.
0: <laughs> Tom says, what do you think of the prospects for the half-court offense? The return of fantasy will undoubtedly help, but what else do you think is needed to make it a strength for the team? You know, I, I would do- say one thing that will help is getting some consistency from Joey and Duran on the block as scores. That will certainly help because those guys have not been as efficient as was expected in the whole inside out game that we thought that we might have, not only for scoring on the block, but also in terms of creating three pointers hasn't really been there consistently. Um, and so that's one thing that I we haven't
2: know, been very good at passing out of doubles either. No, that's we haven't. And that's
1: problem.
0: something I thought we would be better at that we haven't really seen. So that's one. I think
1: there's also, yeah, I mean, there's probably no shortage. I, I think that the shooting is one. I, we talked about that earlier, how Rob helps that. I mean, they're running a lot of different actions and having guys cut, but very seldom does it feel like they're actually hitting the cutter with the pass. Um, so you're running a lot of stuff, but you're not really getting yeah. anybody. There was a couple times in the UConn game. I thought I think Demisey made it a nice pass to somebody on the run uh, who was really cutting toward the hoop, and they got a basket at. It's, our, it's to... actually our
0: lowest efficiency play type in synergy
1: is mm. cut cutters. Yeah, I, I just, but I think at times they're just not. They're either a step late or they're not hitting the ones that are actually open. Uh, It felt like there were opportunities for that against UConn at at times, especially the way UConn was really overplaying everything on the outside. Yeah,
0: man. You know, look, I also just think having Rob out there consistently and getting some consistent practice time with everybody that in and of itself is going to help the half court offense. Some Uh, Ryan, which is more impressive. IU wins a rock fight against UConn or Victor Oladipo makes the final five in the Masked singer. You're a (laughs) pop culture guy.
2: I have never watched that show, uh, but we all know Victor can sing. Uh, I'd say the winning win over UConn more impressive because Victor, you know, he's almost he's cut an album before. He's a professional singer. He shouldn't be on. He should be disqualified from. I know just the
1: final five. Yeah, I feel like that would be. I mean, depending upon who else they have, I suppose. But yeah, I I would agree.
2: Uh,
0: Andy, which Big Ten team will perform better in conference than it has in its non-conference schedule so far, and which will do the opposite? This is from JD. That last question was from Kent, by the way. Oh boy, do you have any know,
1: like, like, any um,
0: hot Big Ten opinions?
1: So the question was Big Ten team will perform better in conference. Do, okay, yeah, do we feel
0: better about Illinois based on how they've played, you know, taking Maryland, you know, down to the wire and then beating Michigan at home? Is that. Do we feel better about them or the fact that they've, you know, that they blew that lead against Maryland and kind of look frantic at times against Michigan? Do we not feel
1: good about them? I just feel like they're going to be inconsistent i think you saw from them why they people could get excited about them but but also um you saw some of the inconsistencies that that you'd have um i I don't know nobody really had a a bad non-conference necessarily that i can
0: can i can i suggest one? I,
1: i guess maybe maybe purdue well, but they—I mean—they still had a couple good wins against VCU and, and Virginia. They don't have bad losses. Yeah, go ahead and suggest one. Can I? I'm can I? Su- can it. I
0: suggest Michigan? Um, and I—I I really That's hesitate be to worse say this in
1: their non-conference. You're saying,
0: yeah, or just maybe not as good as expected. And I hesitate to say it because I really respect Xavier Simpson and Teskey and Livers. Like they've got some good players, but you know they're going to be going through the conference for the first time, and this is going to be Juwan. Jawan Howard's, I almost said Jawan Morgan, stop myself. There's going to be Jawan Howard's kind of first trip through. You know, it's tough your first time going through the Big Ten when he doesn't have a lot of deep knowledge. And, you know, Phil Martelli is not a guy with deep knowledge of the Big Ten. So they're obviously going to be relying on their holdover assistance. That to me is, you know, with the margins so small in the Big Ten, that seems like a team that could, you know, could maybe drop a few more games than you would think. Maybe not. I mean, they've yeah. got the experience on the court to maybe compensate for it, but that's that's one place I would look.
1: Yeah, that, right. that that's an interesting one to fall off. Yeah, the, in terms of the others who <laughs> Brian just might... wants to get out of here. All right,
2: yeah. just, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> we're,
1: we're just guessing,
2: honestly. <laughs> but no, I, I think... I, think I, I would agree that Michigan may be playing over its head and caught some teams early that have a lot of younger players and may not be what they are in six, eight weeks. So I don't think that's... Unfair. A veteran team playing, you know, like a North Carolina team with a lot of young guys and beating them and rocketing up the rankings as a result. You know, North Carolina is just not good. Yeah, no, North Carolina is not playing well. I mean, you you know, they'll be better in two months. They've got so much talent. They just, you know, they'll be better. But yeah,
1: I, I was an interesting one. I mean, depending on what comes out about what Bohannon decides to do, I mean, they won at Iowa State, they've been, but they lost. To DePaul, who's been better than people thought, but Garza is playing amazing, and they got guys that can shoot it if they if they get hot, so they might be one that maybe if you look at some of their performance in the non conference wasn't very good. They did beat texas tech who who looked at the other night, but they're kind of an odd one. They're a big swing team, I think their range of outcomes is pretty wide.
0: Ryan from Sally, we are supposed to be relying heavily on our bigs this year, but looking at what the other big men, our Big Ten big men are doing, wondering if we are a little soft. How do our big men compare with the bigs on the other Big Ten teams?
2: Well, I think they'll step up. It's, I mean, it depends on, you know, Trace Jackson Davis has been. Elite, so I'm I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. The question and our is guys who, definitely
0: aren't soft. No, like they, it won't and, be because they're soft. Maybe because they're slow,
2: but yeah. not because well, they and, and that's the other thing is a who steps up to be that second level guy. Joey Bronk has, you know, he's had flashes, but he's also had flash. He's had stretches where he's played terribly. Duran, it looks like hasn't been healthy. uh Ray Thompson has played some where I think he's been impressive. uh Justin Smith has sunk down to the four and played well. Some, uh you know, it, it's going to depend on who becomes that second level guy. Is Justin really going to be a wing or is he going to sink down to the slip down to the four and help trace out? Or is a guy like, you know, race or Demezi or somebody else going to going to step up and get more minutes Uh Or I'm sorry, not Demezi, but Jerome Hunter going to get more minutes in, in you know, inside it's really going to depend. I mean, it's, it's trace Jackson Davis a show on the block this year. The question is who's going to be the other guy that, that, that earns those minutes next to him. So we'll see. It hasn't played out yet uh, quick enough. And, and I, we're, we're going to find that out probably by early January. Who's going to establish themselves as, as the other guy down there.
1: There are some solid big guys in the league though. I mean, you yeah, look there at are. the Ken Palm where it does the big 10 all conference Four of the five are big guys. There's Wesson Garza, Jalen Smith and, and yeah. Teske. Teskey. And that doesn't even include um, Georgie. Doesn't Oturu's playing good for Minnesota?
0: Rutgers um, has a
1: bunch of just goons in there. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely a league that's got a lot of a lot of big guys. So I think in that regard, I use aren't going to be at the complete upper echelon with with those guys, depending you know, outside of Trace potentially. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of good big guys. I don't know. I assume this is a comment in the chat, or you're amusing <laughs> yeah. yourself with your comment about Rutgers. <laughs> no. Uh, coach in the chat.
0: Uh I want to be referred to as H from now on, not host, co-host, or whatever.
2: Positionless <laughs> broadcasters <laughs> or podcasters. That's a good one. It's a good one.
0: Okay, so Joel, okay, goons. I'm just talking about like, you know, kind of your big, your tough your big, strong yes, guys. Yes, the big, tough big ten guys, like you know like Bronk at times is kind of a goon you know like that's what you want is you know someone that can just michigan state always has those guys you know they can just go in yeah they're tough like they're not that skilled but man you're gonna really feel having played them yeah when you get
2: fouled it feels like a thunderbolt hit you i mean it's it's yeah and it makes it discourages you from going in there anymore which is exactly the purpose
0: Okay, so let's roll through the rest of these. This, I like this question from Patrick. It says, lots of talk about streamlining the rotation, but I think the slow starts are more of an issue. Do you think a defensive-focused smaller lineup, like the ones that helped us come came back versus UConn, would help the issue? And it's really easy when you talk about the starting lineup to say, eh, ah, it doesn't matter who starts. It only matters who finishes. I would agree. Unless you're consistently Mostly. getting off to slow yeah. starts, and then maybe you want to switch that up. So is it time? And, and look, part, part of this is when Rob is healthy, he's going to start. I like, think we all agree with that. Well, going you're going you to start trace. Been
2: coming off the bench and, you know, and, you, and there and is an argument to
0: be made that maybe you want that, that I can I can see an argument for bringing Devontae in off the bench. I think I you're going to have Rob Trace and Justin in your starting lineup. Those three guys are written in pen. Who else would you put in the starting lineup to try and get off to better starts with the knowledge that all guys are going to play? And clearly Archie is going to ride the hot hand down the stretch because he didn't even have trace in the game the last four or five minutes against UConn until he put him in for the final minute. So, Andy, do you have a, a hypothesis for who might be able to get us off to better starts? Because I'm at the point where I'd like to see something, just a different mix, a different style yeah, at the beginning I of games.
1: I, I think that I think the challenge comes from, and I feel like we're beating this to death a little bit, but but <laughs> some of Brunk's challenges from a a, a a ball screen standpoint, I think, really put the defense in some tough positions. And if you're going to continue to do that you really I don't know it played really well in that one stretch against UConn but it's like if you've got somebody out there who's going to you know puts you at risk to give up points based on the way they're defending you you almost need that person to be a guy who really can get off to a good start offensively and he's not necessarily a guy that they want to run a ton of stuff through I mean they'll they'll dump it in but as Archie said you know he Got back to you know really basic stuff of run the floor well, carving out space early in the possession, and then they can get it to him in those in those scenarios. So that's kind of the the swing piece of that that I would would say is if you wanted to take take somebody out, he feels like the candidate because he struggles defensively, isn't going to be a focal point of the offense, um, and and go at it from there. But um, that that would be the only thought that I would have.
0: Yeah, and I, I think just being able to have Rob Finnessy back in there will settle everything down, and that alone will probably help Indiana get off to better starts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Final question. This is from JD. You saw a line on the game talking about the Northwestern game. It has Indiana at minus seventeen. Most like Indiana to win. I think we all assume that it is a uh, win or skies falling uh, tomorrow Friday. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, would you bet that line though, Andy? Would you bet? Would you take the points, or I mean, would you lay the points with Indiana? Against the Cornhuskers, that's a huge spread. It's big spread. I don't
1: know if I would take that. I don't know if I, I I would be inclined not to. I think it's a double digit win. I certainly hope it will be, but yeah, seventeen feels like seventeen feels like a lot. Now the flip side of that is Nebraska has gotten blown out by any number of of teams, including you know they lost by seventeen at Georgia Tech, who's who's not all that good. They lost by fifth or nineteen to George Mason on a neutral court. So. Uh, and they lost by 19 to UC Riverside. So perhaps I'm talking myself into it. I don't know. My my gut has been prone yes. to getting run out of the place. But I know I,
0: my my head says no, just because it's so many points. But I I really think we're gonna kill them. Like I think it's a great just domination spot for us coming off that hard fought victory against UConn. Being back home, I think there'll be some good energy. I I really think we're gonna dominate them. So I I I think if pushed, push came to shove. I think I would I would lay the points. I think we're going to play really well. And I've been, as you know, I've been kind of pessimistic the last few games. I I feel pretty optimistic about this one.
2: Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it'll get to seventeen. Maybe it'll get to thirteen or something like that. But I I hate. I mean, I don't I don't really gamble on sports, but I hate whenever we're doing pick 'em for uh like we do NFL pick 'em every week and stuff like that on the website. I hate laying big points that's just because you're just asking for a late touchdown or a late three pointer or a late banked
0: in three that's probably what will happen
2: (laughs) and if they get up big and they take guys out and put the walk-ons in you're just asking for Nebraska to run off points at the end and make it look closer than it was I mean look at Wisconsin Indiana that was a 30 point game and it ended at 20 you know I mean those things happen at the end of games Mm when when a, a team gets up big and relaxes
0: yeah, uh, Kent says Nebraska, not Northwestern. Sorry, if I said Northwestern, I meant Nebraska.
2: Oh yeah, you did in the intro, but whatever. Okay,
0: well, I meant I meant Nebraska. Um, Nebraska any uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we bounce on out of here? Andy, I think it's just you and me because okay. we're being we're being big time by Q over yep. here. Yep. <laughs> hey. Big time. He's got his when the, celebrity. When the public,
1: hey, when the public spotlight calls, Ryan answers. So that's, what are right. you going to
2: do? You know, He's there. I have uh, I have a duty to the people.
1: <laughs> Got to give the people what they want.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have a duty to the people. You dumbass! <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate <laughs> <All> it. <right. laughs> Thank you, uh, uh, podcaster H. Okay, all right. let's get out of here. See you guys. All right, see you guys tomorrow night. All right, see you everybody. Hey guys. Oh, go say hi to Megan. She's going to be on hand selling programs at Assembly Hall. Go say hi to her. Give her a hug. Tell her hi. Bye, everybody.